This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, this is Jay Harwitz. Welcome to the Mets Amazing Alumni Podcast. And my special guest this week is Cleon Jones. Cleon, everybody knows you're a great baseball player. Hit 341 year, second highest average still with the Mets. 319 another year in the top 10. But other people don't realize you were a tremendous football player in high school in Mobile. 26 touchdowns one year. Uh, got a scholarship to uh, Alabama a and I mean, how close did you come to playing in the NFL? Well, I, I don't call myself a, a great athlete. I call myself a lucky one. I played football, and when they gave me the ball, I was so afraid to be tackled, I just ran everybody. But I got a scholarship to practically everywhere in the country. Decided on Grambling and Alabama A&M. I ended up at Alabama A&M. As related to high school, we had a very good program, a very good coach, and Coach Rose, and very good athletes like A.G. and others. So we, we were fortunate program that we always uh, had winning seasons, 10 and well, we played nine games most of the time, and we were always like nine and oh, or eight and one, or something like that. So yeah, it, it was a, a learning curve for me uh, to be with all those other great athletes in my community. Good. Did you ever consider the NFL, or was it always baseball? Well, I got feelers from football uh, early on. Cleveland Browns, other football teams. You know, during the time uh, that uh, I was in high school, uh, I don't know if you remember Gene Conley. He played for the Boston Red Sox. Right. He was both uh, a baseball player and a basketball player. Uh, it wasn't too many guys who were playing both baseball and football or basketball. Uh, as I understand it, Jackie Robinson was a two-player sports, or maybe even three, that he could excel in both baseball and football. Uh, I probably was one of those who, who probably could have done that at that time, but uh, ownership told you what to do at that time. Uh, you, you, if you play baseball, that's that was your job, and uh, they didn't allow for you to do both. Let me tell you, let me jump ahead to uh, October 16th, 1969, uh, Game 5 of the World Series. Mets were ahead 5-3. to three. Davey Johnson's up, guy in first, two outs, fly ball to you. Different people said they thought it could have gone out, but you kneeled down and caught the ball. What were your thoughts when the ball was in the air that day? I had great thoughts. When we went out to, for the, uh, the ninth inning, I knew two things was going to happen. One, that it was my wife's birthday. We were going to celebrate that. And uh, I thought we would win the ball game. Uh, when David Johnson hit the fly ball, and I, I finally caught it at... Uh, uh, three sixteen in the afternoon, and I was just concentrating on the ball and saying, "Come on down, baby, come on down. It's all over." And uh, after that, you know, hell broke loose. <laughs> Everybody from the stands uh, broken, 
broke uh, on the field, and I, I was trapped in the outfield, didn't know which way to go, so I had to go over the fence. So you, as I understand it, you and Tommy Agee and Ron Sobota really never got a chance to celebrate on the field? Well, no, we, we, we uh, what happened with us uh, is we, 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 we had a pack that we were uh, going to leave the field through the right field bullpen because we, we knew what happened during the playoffs. Uh, people rushed on the field uh, to get the grass, the bases, uh, and, and, and whatever they could get. And if you got caught up in that, then you, you was going to lose equipment. You was going to lose your glove, your your your, your uh, jersey, uh, your hat, uh, your shoes. So we, we decided we would uh, go through the uh, right field gate. Uh, when I caught the ball and started uh, towards the <laughs> right field gate, they, had, they were out and gone. And the gate was closed, so I, I had to rush back uh, to the left field fence and jump over the fence to get out of the way of all of the uh, commotion that was going on on the field. The infield is the one that, that actually celebrate because when I caught the ball, they all ran towards the pitcher's mound uh, to celebrate, but they, they hurried up and got off the field because of uh, what was about to happen. Okay, what, what do you think your emotions are going to be uh when everybody gets together for the 50th on June 29th, you know, 50 years, you guys are still icons, and there's been a lot of great sports teams in world sports, but there's something about the 69 Mets that people won't forget. I mean, what do you think the emotions are going to be? We probably have 18, 19 guys coming back. When you see everybody, uh, I mean, a lot of good memories with you guys, huh? Yeah, it's a lot of great memories, and uh, those emotions has already begun. Uh, as a matter of fact, I've talked to Boswell, uh, on occasion of Shamsky and Swoboda, and uh, we're all excited about uh, this uh, reunion. What we're excited about is uh, the Met family uh, seem to be uh, having a, a reunion. Uh, I, I mean, uh, a real effective kinship that most teams do not have. I spoke to Crane Poole on yesterday. He's doing fine from his surgery, and uh, he's looking forward to, to all of us getting together uh, and just re- rekindling all of those emotions that we had as players during 69 and just to see one another and to, well, we, you know, and be with family because most of our families have not been together since that, that year. So my kids will be able to see Swoboda's kid and Cranepool's kid, uh, and they haven't done that since they was, uh some of them six or seven years of age or even earlier than that. So... It's just not uh, an on-the-field process. It's a family process, and that makes all the difference. Yeah, you, your first five years, you came into Mets in 63 to 68. You did a, a lot of losing uh, with the teams. I mean, 100 losses. Even at 68, I mean, you, you still lost, you know, close to 90 games. You know, Gil supposedly gave that famous uh, speech in the spring of 69 where kind of implied that... Um, you know, this could be a different year. What do you remember? What your reaction was to that speech? Sure, I, I remember what everybody else remember is that uh, when Gil got all of us together in spring training and said that it's going to be a good year, that we were a lot better than we thought we were, and it would be proven, you know, during the course of the season. Well, we all looked at each other, and I think all of us had the same reply: "What is he on?" You know, but uh, he saw the makings 
of a great pitching staff, and he thought we were one or two players away by his conversation. And uh, we all know now that uh, Gil and Johnny Murphy uh, got together and made some changes uh, during the 6-8 season. And we were prepared for uh, a better run uh, in the 6-9 season because uh, we got A.G., we got Clint Denon, uh, we got a few other players. We were pretty solid in uh, most positions. We had the best catcher in baseball, in my opinion. Uh, potentially, we had the second-best pitching staff in baseball. So we, we were good defensive because we had Buddy, who was a great shortstop. And all we needed for A.G. just to be the A.G. that we traded for, and we'd be solid defensively. So that's what Gill saw, I think, and that's what I saw. That's what took place. A.G. had a great year for us. Uh, defensively, there, there was nobody any better in the league than we were. Uh, our pitching staff grew by leaps and bounds. Uh, uh, with Siva leading the pack, Ryan, Kuzman, Gentry. We were solid. We didn't score a lot of runs, but we didn't give up a whole lot of runs. So uh, that's what made for a good team. Can you talk about what, uh, you know, Don Condana comes on June 15th. You talk about what he meant to the team you know, in the clubhouse and on the field. Well, well Don, Don was, uh, every team uh, needed a stabilizer. We had one in the pitching staff. We had semi-stabilizers and guys who had been around, like myself and Cranepool, but we needed the one guy that could make a difference as relates to left-hand pitching. Cranepool was, was fine and, and Shamsky, but we needed someone because we were a little bit weak against left-hand pitching. When we got Clint Denham, he kind of showed up the team. He was a good defensive player. He did his job on the field and in the clubhouse. He kept everybody on the toes by being the lawyer that he was. He was always on everybody's case. And as a result, uh, people responded to it. That's what makes for a good team. We went out, and we felt like we could win every ball game. And when you feel that way, you're going to win most of them. I don't know if we would have been the same without that leadership. So you had a special relationship with Billy Williams, who's from Mobile, like yourself, uh, like Hank Aaron and, you know, Ozzie Smith, Satchel Page. It's a hotbed of great baseball players. You know, from August on, the, um, the Mets made up over 17 games over the Cubs. Did you and Billy have a back and forth, a lot of big series between the two of you? When do you think that the Cubs and guys like Billy Williams kind of thought that the Mets were for real? Well, uh, uh, Billy knew we were for real uh, uh, all along. Uh, Ernie Banks were <laughs> a true diplomat. Uh, he was diplomatic as related to the Cubs and baseball in general. But he always spoke highly of the Chicago Cubs. And even if you got a hit and you went down to first base, he would say, Oh, you hit a nothing pitch. You hit a nothing pitch. And then this next time you got on base, that's like he's a great pitcher. Uh, uh, whoever's on the mound, we got great pitching. The Cubs are the best, you know, that kind of thing. But Billy didn't talk much. He came to New York. We sat down to talk or whatever. And he knew that we were a team to be reckoned with. I guess everybody knew that by July. But I think he kind of saw it early on because we were sound defensively and we had that great pitching. Nobody wanted to face that pitching staff that we had. And all of the hitters would always talk about uh, Siva, Kuzman, uh, Ryan. So we knew that there was fear coming from the other side, not from our side. That was no longer the case. Uh, so we were confident that we could beat any pitcher because we thought like our pitching staff could hold our opponent to three runs or less per nine inning. That would give us a chance to win. This is what took place. We didn't score a whole lot of runs, but our pitching staff held the other guys to a limited amount of runs. Clint, you got out of the game in, I think, the mid-'70s, 76, 77, and the last 20 or so plus years, you have basically another full-time job. 
You and your wife, Angela, are doing great work in Mobile. Uh, you live in the Africatown section of Mobile. You're you know, repairing houses, mowing lawns, uh, renovating houses, um, you know, building a museum, I know, in the area, building markets. You know, I know you're, with your foundation, you're going to have a golf tournament on October 16th, the day we won. Tell the people, how did you first get into this, and what was the impetus for doing what you wanted to do? Well, uh, Angela, my wife, we agreed that we wanted to live in Africa town. We wanted our kids to have the same experience that we had growing up a neighborhood that was safe, that was friendly, and a neighborhood that you could get uh, decent education and religious conscience. So uh, every parent wants to assure themselves that their kids are in a safe environment. And so the school that we graduated from, Mobile County, we, we want to give our kids that same experience with the same kind of teachers and what have you, people that cared about you, people that knew your family, people that uh, knew you away from school that could contribute to your life, both at school and away from school. So when we came back home, we saw that the community were kind of losing those kind of ideas. People were getting degrees and moving across town and out of town. Instead of being a community of 12,000 people, it was becoming a community with much less. Right now, we are at 1,800, and we have a lot of like vacant lots, uh, empty houses that need refurbishing, family uh, move away, and uh, they abandon their houses. and. So we're trying to rebuild and restore and revitalize the community so we are able to save our schools and our churches. And the only way to do that is put your whole heart into it. We are trying to build three houses this year, refurbishing as we speak. We're painting two houses on Friday. We're just trying to create community pride and create a community that people want to move back into so we can help grow the community. Is right that, now, we're... Yeah, I'm sorry. This is not a one-day-a-week job. You're out here five, six days a week, right, doing this stuff. Yeah, we work every day but Sunday. And uh, if people see you out trying to do something, they'll come out and they'll do something. And that's the idea. Let people see that you're working and you can get help. God knows we need the help because there's a lot that needs to be done. And we're getting it done. It just, it's been slow rolling up until this point, but it's starting to look up because people care. And thanks to what you are doing, that's shining a light on this community and this state. And it's certainly making a difference on how people respond to what we are trying to do because of uh, the exposure that you are giving us. Well, you, you and Angela are doing great work. And listen, I want to thank you for your time, Claire. I look forward to seeing everybody next month. And it should be a great couple of days. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. I will see you soon. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you. Be blessed. All right. All right. Thanks. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.